Uh, we, it's good to, good to see you this morning uh, and, and be together as always. Uh, we, today we start a, a new series uh, and it's called DNA, The Values That Shape Us. Uh, this was uh, this series, just so you know where it came from, it was birthed out of an elders and wives retreat uh, that we had earlier in the spring, uh, or, you know, earlier this year in the spring. Uh, and uh, really, in this, at this retreat, we, we tried to isolate uh, some of our core values. We thought together uh, about the, the church, about us as a people, about what God is doing and how he's working. And we tried to isolate, man, what are, what are the, the, some, some core values? What are some things um, that, that are really fundamental to us? And so we came to, to these four core values we're going to talk about over the next four weeks. And these are values that, co- that come from Scripture. Uh, they're values that we think characterize our church family and, and shape the way that we see the world and the way that we do ministry together. We haven't arrived uh, on any of them, uh, not, not at all, but, but we do believe this is who God's made us to be and who he's calling us to be together as a church family. And so if you're, uh, if you're new here, if you're a new face, and there's a lot of new faces, and welcome, we're really glad that you're here, you're checking out the church, uh, I hope this, this will be clarifying for you uh, as you as you get to know us, as you're around, and I hope you'll, you'll see these things embodied in us more and more the longer you're here. If you're a longtime member of the church, I hope these will be obvious to you, right? Maybe not the exact way we frame them, uh, but, but the idea is I hope they'll be, it'll be like, yeah, that's exactly who we are. Uh, and then you'll be able to press more fully into these values as we, uh, as we encourage and minister and, and love each other and, and live together. Um, if you're exploring the faith, right? If you're new, maybe you're, you're just checking out Christianity. Uh, I hope this will be helpful to you. I, I've thought of you thinking about even this message. Um, and, and I hope this will be helpful for you to see how we as a church are trying to follow Jesus. Um, so the first value for us, uh, the first uh, of, of these, the, the DNA values, is uh, alive by the word. Alive by the word. Um, we're gonna we're gonna do a few things today. Uh, we're, we'll, first, I'll start by defining terms: what's alive, what's the word. Um, then I'm, we're gonna say, how does life come by the word? Uh, how does this shape our church? And then lastly, what could keep us from life? What could keep us from living out and embodying this value? Uh, let's pray, and we'll we'll dive in. Uh, if you will, just take a moment uh, in, in your seat and pray uh, for yourself. Pray that, that God would, uh, would open your heart. You'd be willing to hear whatever he wants to say to you today and that he would speak. If you would, pray for me that I would... Uh, be faithful to God's word, I would be helpful to you. Father, we need you. And we need you to speak to us. We need you to, uh, to, to come and, and uh, encourage us, help us, teach us rebuke us, Lord, whatever we need, would you do it? Would you do it by your spirit through your word? And we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 
All right, so defining terms first. Uh, what, what do we mean by alive? What do we mean by alive? Um, so here we're, we're, defer- we're de- defining, I'm defining alive very broadly. Okay, I'm gonna say alive means uh, a robust, holistic well-being. Right? And I don't think this is a, a foreign way to define alive. Uh, I, m- I mean, it's close to what someone means when they say that a certain experience made them feel truly alive. Right, what are they saying? They're not saying, man, I was breathing a lot during that experience. No, they're saying, I, that, that was, I would, felt like I was meant to do that. Right? There, was, I was, there was so much joy. There was so much vitality. There was so much excitement. There was so much happiness, fulfillment. Right? That's, what, uh, that's what people mean when they say that. I mean, what, what uh, William Wallace in the movie Braveheart uh, said, I don't think he actually said it, but in the movie he said it. Uh, and and what this quote evokes, though, I think the, the idea of life, he said, every man dies, not every man really lives. True life. Um, uh, alive means more than just breathing. It encompasses vibrancy, health, happiness, salvation, meaning, purpose, love, right? A holistic, robust well-being. And I think everyone's pursuing life. Everyone's pursuing this, this kind of life, whether they know it or not. Um, Blaise Pascal uh, put it this way in the 17th century, all men seek happiness. And I think that's a, he was using that in a more robust way than we sometimes use. It's not just a fleeting feeling, but he's saying well-being, right? Goodness, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with different views. The will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man, even of those who hang themselves. The point is, this desire drives everyone. Right? I want to live. I want life, true life, deep life. And people will sacrifice to get it. And the Christian claim, the Christian view, um, is that out of all possible activities, identities, experiences, relationships, possible in the universe, life comes in one way, by the word. Life comes by the word. Okay, so if that's alive, uh, what is the word? What is the word? Well, the word is two things. There's a double meaning, which is why we chose it. Uh, But the first meaning of of this is the Bible, right? The Bible is God's word. The Bible is, is inspired uh, right, it's, it's, it's uh, from God. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, right? God breathed this out. It's from him. Um, it, 2 Peter, Peter puts it this way, no prophecy came by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So yes, did, did uh, men write down the Bible? Yes, they did, right? Is there, did, Paul, did Paul write the Bible? Did Peter write the Bible? Did John write the Bible? Yes, they authored these books. But we believe that God inspired them. They were carried along by him um, and they wrote exactly what he wanted them to write. And so we have a really unique, uh, the Bible is so unique in that it's dual authorship, right? It's true, truly dual authors. There's a human author, there's a divine author uh, of every word. 
Um, and, and it's, so it's, it's God's word, right? God is from him. It's inspired. And it's also word. It's, it's revelation, right? What is words? Word reveals things to us, right? Words, uh, they get to convey information. They convey personhood. Um, and, and this revelation that we have from God is very personal, right? You can't know a person unless they open up to you, right? If, if you sit down for coffee with someone and they just don't tell you anything about themselves, they just sit there quietly and stone-faced, right? You, you won't know anything about them, except maybe that they're rude, uh, right? But they're, they're, they're not, they have to open up. And, and how much more so with God, right? Think about it. We, if the, cre- the creator, with his creation, we would never know anything uh, about God if he hadn't revealed himself. Um, the, the famous example is Shakespeare. Uh, you know, he's writing his play, Hamlet, Right? And so say he wants his character, he wants Hamlet to know who he is. How is Hamlet ever going to know Shakespeare, the author of his play? He can't. He would never know unless Shakespeare revealed himself. Right? Say he, he had Hamlet pick up a book that he opened and said, this is who Shakespeare is. This is how the, your world came from his mind. Right? And gave, he gave him a book that told him about himself. That would be revealing he revealed himself, and we uh, wouldn't know about God unless he had revealed himself, and he did in his words. So this is the first meaning. It's, it's the Bible, right? Now, what else is the word? Well, the word is also used to mean Jesus, right? Uh, this is in John 1. This is uh, how, how uh, John describes Jesus starting off. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, right? The word was God, Okay? He was in the beginning. So the word is a he. He was in the, with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. And apart from him was not one thing created that has been created. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. And then you skip down to 14. The word became flesh. Dwelt among us. We observed his glory. Glory is of the one and only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. Jesus is the word. He is, he is uh, God's revelation, right? When God wanted to, to, to reveal who he was, right? He did it in nature. He did it in many different ways, right? Uh, but, but ultimately, he did it through his son. Hebrews 1 says this, long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him the heir of all things and made the universe through him. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Right? And this is not just Shakespeare uh, giving Hamlet a book about him to, to reveal himself. Uh, this is Shakespeare also writing himself into the play as a character who can come and can meet Hamlet and can know him and can reveal and speak to him, know him on a personal level. This is what God did, right? Jesus became man. He, the, the creator, became part of uh, and came into his creation. So the word, right? The word is God's written word, and God's son, the, the word, all right? Now, uh, how does life come by the word? So if we, we're, the value is we're alive by the word. This is how life comes, is by the word. Well, how does that work? And how does life come by the word? Well, um, in two steps, okay? The first is that the Bible, the word of God, reveals Jesus, the word of God. Right? The Bible reveals Jesus. The word reveals the word. Um, and, and we get this from 
from, actually from both, from the Bible and from Jesus. In, in Luke 24, uh, Jesus is, is walking, or the, some of his disciples, after his resurrection, some of his disciples are walking from uh, Jerusalem out to a town called Emmaus. They're arguing, they're disputing um, on, on the way. Uh, and, and Jesus walks up behind them, but he's, he's veiled. They don't, they don't recognize who he is. And he's like, hey, what are you guys disputing about? What are y'all arguing about? And uh, they say, well, haven't you heard that Jesus, he was this, we, we thought he was the Messiah. He, he died. Died uh, in, in Jerusalem, but then some of the women came back and they said they couldn't find his body, and we just don't know what's. We're not sure what's happening. And and he said this, verse twenty five. He said to them, "How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures." Right now, that's interesting, isn't it? Because Jesus, so Jesus, his own self-perception, his understanding of the, the Old Testament, right, of the scriptures, uh, it was that the Moses, the prophets, all the scriptures, they were pointing to me. That's what he said. Right, they, they, all those scriptures, they, now Jesus, his name isn't in the Old Testament, right? It's not there, uh, but, but he go, he's able to go back to Moses and go, yeah, when Moses said that, yeah, he was talking about me. When Isaiah said that, he was talking about me. When Ezekiel said that, he was talking about me. And so the Bible reveals Jesus. The Old Testament points to Jesus. And in, and in the New Testament, we have uh, eyewitness accounts, right? Eye, the, the New Testament is all these eyewitness, these people who saw Jesus and who are passing along who he was, what he did, and what it means, right? First John 1, what, what we read at the beginning. This is, is John as an old man, um, and, he, and he's writing to the church. He says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands. I love that, the physical nature of that. We've heard him, we saw him, we touched him concerning the word of life. That life was revealed and we've seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we've seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you all may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. The whole Bible points to and reveals Jesus. And we, we do have this conviction, right, that the Bible is about Jesus. We talk about this often. The Bible's not just a book of rules, right? It's not just a book of heroes to emulate and villains, you know, to avoid. It's not just a book of wisdom on, you know, the, take it or leave it advice on how to live your life. No, no, no. All, the Bible is about Jesus, it leads to him. It culminates in him. So the Bible, this is the, how does, how does the, the word bring us alive? How does the word make us alive? Well, the Bible points to Jesus. Now, second, um, the second th way is that, the uh, second step is that Jesus gives us life. Right? So the Bible leads us to Jesus and reveals Jesus and Jesus himself gives us life. Uh, just as the Father, John 5, 21, just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he wants. All right, Jesus gives us life. Um, and that's, yeah, I, that's the way I said it. Um, I, I think... Uh, Maybe a better way to say it, and the way the Bible often says it, that Jesus is our life, right? He, he, that life is in him, and then he gives us himself, and so we have life because of him. He, he's our life. How does he do this? How does he, 
give us life? Well, first, he makes us alive, right? He makes us alive. So we're dead, is what the Bible says. We're dead in our trespasses and, and, and our sins. Uh, this is Colossians 2.13. When you were dead in the trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us. He's taken it away by nailing it to the cross. Right, anything that's gonna offer us life has to deal with our past, doesn't it? Right, and, and what can deal with our past? Like therapy can, can help us process our past, can help us think in more healthy ways about our past, process what happened. But you know what therapy can never do? Forgive you. Right, how, how, we all left to look at our past and go, hey, I, not only was I a sufferer, not only was I a victim, I was also a perpetrator. I was also guilty. And, and what do we do with that guilt? Well, there's an obligation, right? This verse says there's, there's a record of debt that's against us, that's opposed to us, that can, that can condemn us. And what does it say? It says, Jesus, he took it away by nailing it to the cross. He took all of our sins with him. He died in our place. And he gave, so he could give us life. And he made us alive. He raised us from death to life. So he, this is the first thing he does. He makes us alive to start with. The second, that's our past, right? Second is our, is our present. He, he, he gives, he, get, he empowers us to live. He empowers us to live. Right? Uh, in, in Romans 8, uh, it, says, it says this, uh, you, however, uh, I can't remember what exactly. Now of Christ. So now of Christ is in you. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit lives because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who dwells in you. We receive the spirit of God. Right? When we become a Christian, we receive the spirit of God. Anyone who, has the, who, who doesn't have the spirit of Christ doesn't belong to him. If we belong to Jesus, we have his spirit and he gives us life to walk. He's, he's always with us. We're never alone. Like, like Pastor Kevin preached on last week, right? we, we've received everything that we need for life and godliness. Right? If, if, if the past making us alive is justification, he's made us as if we'd never sinned, um, the, the present right now is sanctification. He's, he's filled us with the spirit. He's making us more and more like his son. So he's, he empowers our life now. He makes his life, he empowers our life now. And then lastly, he carries us to glory. Right? It's not just the past, it's not just the present, but it's into the future, isn't it? What did, what did Jesus tell Martha? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. If you believe in Jesus, even if you die, you will. You'll live, you'll be raised. And him, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. We have eternal life. We have, we have life forever to look forward to. Hope, joy, peace, right? Any hope, any, any life, anything that, that promises to offer you life but doesn't address what happens after death, when you die and after death, it's a, it's a false hope, isn't it? Right, like, man, that boat, yeah, that, that's fun, you know? Like, it's a fun boat, but what's gonna, you know what that boat does when you die? Nothing for you, right? Why would you put our hope there? You think your boss, you, you put your hope in work? Think your boss, what, your boss care after you die? No, 
Not even after you retire, like you're done, uh, right? That like, like you, you can't find life in these other things. They don't, they don't offer hope. What is this life that Jesus offers that deals with our past, that's with us now, and that takes us and carries us to glory? There's no life like it. He makes us alive. So, so uh, the Bible, the word of God, leads us and reveals Jesus. And Jesus gives us life. He is our life. Now, how does this, how does this value um, shape our church? Right? How does this value shape our church? And what are some ways uh, that, that this value is important for us? And I, I would say, uh, that, man, this was probably the most foundational value. It's, it's, it's like everything. Like, <laughs> it, it, Jesus makes us alive. Like, that's the foundational thing. We have to be alive for anything else to happen. Uh, we have to have, to have spiritual life. Um, uh, but here's a few ways. So this is not comprehensive, but here's a few ways that this value shapes our church. How, how is our, our mercy ministry shaped by being alive by the word? Well, I, I think we, alive by the word, care for the poor and needy because Jesus cares for them. Right? We're alive in him and we know he cares for those who are needy. And so we care for them or we have compassion. Um, and... and we, we know that their main problem isn't the things that they need, right? The, the physical things that they need. They do need those things, but they don't only need those things. They need life himself. They need to be introduced to Jesus. So we seek to do that as we do mercy ministry. How, how is our evangelism shaped by this value? Right, sharing our faith with others. Well, um, I think we, we aren't after behavior modification, you know, like if you're here and you're not a Christian, like I'll just say to you, it, 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 like our, my main goal is not that you would stop smoking or that you would be a get over your addiction right? or, that whatever, or whatever it is. No, my main hope is that you would meet Jesus. He's life, right? And, and, and does he want you to sort out a lot of things? Yes, <laughs> he wants to sort us all out a lot. He's sorting us all out in his own time, you know, but, that's, but your main problem is not cleaning up your life. It's do you know Jesus? Do you have life? Do you know the life? We, we seek to introduce people to Jesus. How is our, our fellowship shaped by this value? Our fellowship, well, I think we, we, we have to go deeper than pleasantries. Right, to, to, to get to the place where we actually find life, where we actually have in common. The deepest thing we have in common is Christ, isn't it? Right, so we have to get past, you know, how's the weather and the Astros and, you know, like, well, how's work? Like that, those are all, and those are all great things, and I love pleasantries. Um, they're very pleasant. Um, but but we, we, we need to get to the deeper questions, don't we? Wow, man, how's, how's God working in your life? Right, what's, what's going on? How can I pray for you? Right? We, we want to we go, we go deeper than that. How's our preaching shaped by this value? All right, well, Jesus is, is explicitly central to our preaching and teaching. We, we do want him to be explicit every week. We want to talk about the gospel and talk about that Jesus died and he rose from the dead and he's alive now and he'll save you. We want to say that all the time and, and to talk about Jesus a lot. But it's not just that we do that and make, it, make him explicit, but it's also uh, the subtext Right, we want the, the, you know, there's the text, there's like what the sermon is, and then there's the subtext, there's an underlying message that comes across. And, and it can be, uh, the, you know, it can be, aren't I great? 
right? That can be a subtext. Isn't the preacher great? It can be, aren't we great? Isn't our church great? That's another subtext. It can be, isn't the truth great? Right? Isn't the truth awesome? Right? And then we want the subtext of every sermon to be, isn't Christ great? Isn't he great? So we want him to be explicitly in the, in the text and we want him to be the subtext as well. Isn't Christ great? And shouldn't that be the subtext of all that we do? Shouldn't people leave our, our interactions going, man, that person really loves Jesus. That's sort of, sort of weird, you know? Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we, that's, that's how our preaching is shaped by this value, one of the ways. How's our children's ministry, student ministry shaped by this value, being alive by the word? We aren't after just moral children and students. Right? We, we don't just say, you got to obey your parents or the devil's going to get you. You know? Like, we're not just trying to scare people into obedience. No, no, no. We want their hearts. We want them to love Jesus. We want life by the word. Like, we don't just tell the students, like, don't drink or smoke or chew or associate with those who do. No. Like, we, like Jesus, Jesus is the one. He loves you. He died for you. He meets all the longings of our hearts. Won't you look at him? Right? We want to talk about, uh, we talk about him in that way. Um, how's our prayer shaped by this value? Our prayer. Uh, well, we, we pray, one, that's it, we pray. <laughs> uh, we're, we're alive by the word, and so we pray. We, we communicate with God. Right? We need him. We love him. And, and our prayers express the full biblical range of emotion. So it's not just a prayer before a meal. It's not just asking God when we need something or when we're in real trouble. Right? But we, we, we express the full range and we express thanksgiving to God. Thank you. We praise him for his attributes, for who he is. We love to be with him, sit in his presence like Pastor Barry preached about two weeks ago. We just want to be with him, just to sit with him. This is what we were made for. Right? Not just positive emotions, also negative. We rail against, we, we, we question, where are you, God? Why? Why have you left me alone? Right? We, like the Psalms. Why? Because we're alive by the word. We have a personal relationship with God of the universe that expresses itself through prayer. Um, how's our, our singing shaped by this value? Right, alive by the word. I think we sing with our hearts and not just our voices. Right, our worship is an overflow of being in life himself. This is, this is why we worship and how we worship. And I, I'm not, I don't want to prescribe an exact expression. Everyone expresses themselves. It's not like, everyone raise your hands. That's how you really know. No, it's it, like we express ourselves differently. But, but in Christ, we're so thankful that it just comes out in song, right? Like in the Ephesians, it says, making melody to the Lord with your, in your heart. It's just like this, the song's in our heart and it just comes out and we, we let loose because we love him. Right? It's not that we have to, it's not, and it's not a show. It's not, we want to play excellently, we want to sing wholeheartedly, we want to let loose because Jesus is alive and we love him. And we can keep going, we can keep going through every thing. How's our, how's our mission shaped by this, our global mission, how is it shaped by this value? And there's only one place to find life. So many don't know about him. So we go and we pray and we send we, we care about those who, who haven't heard. And we could, we could keep going. Um, but, but I want to move to this last section. What could keep us from life? What could keep us from life? Because I think there's some dangers, right? That our enemy, the devil, is, is a roaring lion prowling around seeking someone to devour. He's very wise um, at, at, at deceiving us and at getting us off track. 
What are, what, are, um, what are some dangers? I want to talk about two real dangers, one more general and then one specific. Um, the, the more general one is, is finding life in other things. Right? We're always tempted to find life in other things. As I said, everyone seeks life and everyone's doing it in different ways. And we're tempted, in, just like everyone else, to seek life in all kinds of things other than Christ. People seek life by money or by what money can provide. Right? If you think you, you think you have enough money, it will make you secure or make you comfortable or make you powerful, make you give you the status that will really lead to true life, the life you've always wanted. Some seek life by philosophy. Right? There's a thread of, of kind of modern stoicism coming back that seeks life through self-mastery and discipline and taking responsibility. Right? Life comes if you, if you can do that. Some seek life through self-actualization, right? If I can just truly express my deepest feelings, who I really am, then I'll be alive. Then I'll experience life. Some seek life through substance abuse. Right? I only feel alive when I'm under the influence. So I'm seeking that. That's what I'm after. Some seek life through romance. I, life's only worth living if I'm in a fulfilling romantic relationship or if there's one I'm pursuing, one on the horizon. Some seek life through work. If I'm busy doing something meaningful, then I'm fulfilled, I'm alive. Some seek life through religious duty, right? Be it like feeding, uh, feeding the hungry, uh, working at the, the food bank, the Houston food bank, um, whether it's uh, something in, in other religions, meditation in Buddhism, fasting or the five pillars in Islam, uh, or in secular religion, right? Uh, like do, I, mean, I think we see this a lot in our, our day and time, like uh, you know, taking action for climate change or, or whatever your, your uh, favorite social project is. Like if I'm involved in doing something meaningful, then I'll have life. I some seek life through family. If my family is cared for, and if my, my kids turn out, if they love me and they turn out well, then I'll, I'll have life. That's all I need. Some seek life through entertainment. And some of this is, is my life, my real life is not that fulfilling, but I can go to this virtual space where I can experience the fullness of life. And you can keep going with, with this list. Um, but this is a temptation for us, isn't it? To find life, to seek our life in other things. And it's easy to slide off and it's easy to rationalize into these things. Um, it's easy to think, if I find life in things other than Christ, well, that's fine too. You know, and kind of the underlying belief and, and maybe the, the underlying assumption is what God really wants is for me to be happy. So as long as I'm happy, I'm pursuing this thing, I know it's not exactly what I should be doing, but if I, if as long as I'm happy, that's what God really wants. And that, that phrase, God wants me to be happy, it's actually true, right? God does want you to be happy. We know that he wants all, desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Like he wants your eternal happiness. But in the way that most people use it, it's, it's incredibly wrong, right? God wants, God wants me to be happy. Um, C.S. Lewis said it this way in, in Mere Christianity. He says, God made us, invented us as a man invents an engine, a car is made to run on petrol, which is gas, if you're not British, uh, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. He's our life. There's no other. 
That is why it's just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. Right? I don't care about what, how God says to get life. I'm, would you make me happy in this, God? God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. And now, now it's not that all of these things are bad and it's not that all of these things and the things we could seek life in don't, don't give us some kind of joy, some kind of fulfillment, some kind of happiness, right? But, but the, the, the end is that uh, they never deliver on what they promise, Right? Nothing can give you life that you desire, that you long for. Everything will lead you, want, leave you wanting more except for Christ. But I, I, think, I think the biggest danger for us is this. And this is a little bit more specific. Um, and and it's, it's finding life, trying to find life uh, in, in morality, Right? And, and this is, I think, it leads to a, a real contrast to being alive by the word. So being alive by the word, I think the kind of a contrast is a dead orthodoxy. A dead orthodoxy. And th- this is when you think life comes by morality, by Bible knowledge, and by being right. Right? And, and this is a danger. It's like a built-in danger for us because we love the Bible so much. <laughs> right? We love the truth. We respect and we study and we live by the scriptures. We receive it as the gift that it is to us from God. But if we're not careful, we can slip into a dead orthodoxy. Right? This is the word without life. This is doctrine without culture. This is belief without action. This is knowledge without love. Right, if I, uh, we, we can think, you know, if I, if I believe true things, then I'll naturally do the right thing. It's, it's not true. It's not true. Right, what, what does James say? The demons believe and shudder. Right, that, like, do you know demons have better theology than you do? They, like we've seen in a, in a glass dimly, they've seen, <laughs> they've seen face to face. They know God, they know who God is. They believe in him more than we do. But does it change their hearts? Does, does it cause them to love him? No, exactly the opposite. Cause them to hate him, run from him. Right, you, can, you can know the right things. You can believe the right truths and, and not, not have life. You, you might think, well, another, another misconception is, man, if I believe true things, I'll go to heaven at least. That's, you know, that's the most important thing. If I believe what's true, I'll go to heaven at least. At least I have that box checked. And I, that's wrong, Right, that's wrong. Uh, this is what, what, uh, what Jesus bashes the Pharisees on in John 5, isn't it? Right, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have life. It, it's they that point to me and you refuse to come to me. Right, Jesus is saying, you love the Bible, you love the scriptures, but I'm right here and you're not even coming to me. Right, it's possible to use the scriptures and to use truth to avoid the person of Christ. 
It's possible. There's churches like this. Maybe you've been a part of churches like this where they just have great doctrinal statements. Just right on. Everything's on lockdown. Right? But, but there's no love. And there's no grace. Right? There's no joy. It's all just about appearances and keeping your, your appearances good and staying in the box and not rocking the boat. Right? It's not life. It's, this is the Pharisees' problems. Whitewashed tombs. They look good on the outside, but inside they're full of dead men's bones. This is what happens if you try to find life in morality and Bible knowledge and being right. No, that's not where it is. Life is in Christ. It's in him. Christ is our life. I love uh, Colossians 3. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. He is our life. And we have to go to him as a person. Do we interact with Christ as a person or, or just as, as theology and ideas? And I think a, a comparison can clarify this. Like, imagine that I, what if I read, I read books about my wife, Caroline, but I didn't ever speak with her? That would be ridiculous, Right? But isn't that what it is whenever we read theology books and don't pray? What if I, uh, what, what if I, I knew everything about my wife, Caroline? I knew everything. I could, I could describe her in exquisite detail, but I never wanted to be with her. That would reflect kind of badly on her, wouldn't it? Reflects badly on the Lord, doesn't it? <laughs> right? it we, we have to go to him as a person. Like, don't miss Jesus. And this is what we read at the beginning. This is the point, right? Uh, what John says, what was from the beginning, what we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, what we've observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life was revealed. We've seen it. We testify and declare to you the eternal life that was revealed, was with the Father, was revealed to us. That which we've seen and heard, we also declare. He's saying, listen, I saw him. I touched him. I heard his words. I was with him. And what I've seen and what I've experienced, what I've learned, I'm passing that on to you so that, here's what, so that you can have great theology. No, so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, so you can be in personal fellowship, personal relationship with the Trinity, with God Himself. You get to enter in. It's a very different thing, right? It's, it's, it's one thing to say, I know that I'm a sinner and I, 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 the only way I can be saved is through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a totally different thing to go to Jesus personally, to admit that you're a sinner to Him, to ask for his forgiveness and to receive it from the living Christ. And this is, this is what we have to do, right? We have to go to him. We, we may, and may we, and I think we are, and may we continue to press into and to be alive by the word. May God continue to make us alive and grant us, uh, grant us life by his spirit and through his word. Let's pray. I'd love to give you a moment right now just to uh, respond to the Lord yourself.
to ask him what, uh, what he wants you to take from this, what he's pressing on your heart. As the band comes and begins to play, um, if there's a if there's a way that that man, you need prayer. You're like, man, I, I wish someone would just pray for me right now. Um, our prayer team is in the back and would love to pray with you. Um, so you can go now. You can go during communion. Go during the song uh, and and pray with them. Maybe you you realize like I just don't you know I I don't think I experience this life. Or maybe I haven't in a long time. <laughs> Go back and pray with someone. Press into that. Whatever God is showing you, whatever He's teaching you. Fathers, as. Uh, as we open ourselves up to you, would you speak to us? Would you lead us? Lord, where, where we are seeking life and other things, just pull us back like a yo-yo. Uh, Lord, where, where, uh, where we are, are deadened to life, where we've maybe uh, put our, our hope in being right, put our hope in our theology, put our hope in that we're better than other people. Lord, would you just break that hardness? Would you soften it? Would you, would you remind us of the gospel? Remind us of your love. We love you. In Jesus' name.